0: in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Stock. simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on plantstock2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out see you there wow wow 1 million downloads to each and every one of you I want you to know how absolutely fired up I am, and I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my plant-strong feet to the top of my plant-strong head and everything in between. Thank you for allowing me into your earbuds, into your kitchens, and for allowing me to join you on your long walks and on road trips, even if those road trips are just a short drive around the neighborhood these days. It's been an honor and a privilege to produce the Plant Strong podcast as part of our mission to reach as many people as possible with the good news about plants. Speaking of good news, to celebrate this million download milestone, we've got a bunch of Plant Strong prizes to give away this week. We have signed copies of my books, boxes of Rip's Big Bowl cereal, year long access to our Plant Strong meal planner, plus complimentary registrations to our Rescue 10X online coaching program and drumroll, a grand prize a two-pack of commuter passes to our annual camp plant stock event held each august the winner can redeem these tickets in either 2020 or 2021 obviously depending upon what the next four months bring visit plantstrong.com slash million to enter today or click on the link in our show notes. We'll announce the winners in all of our channels on April 27th. Again, I know there are many many podcast options out there. Thank you for choosing Plant Strong. Your time is super valuable and I'm honored you've chosen to share it with me. For this week, please know this episode was recorded ahead of COVID-19, but I hope you'll agree the message of hope and empowerment is relevant now more than ever. As you listen to today's episode, I want you to remember this quote. Your genes don't necessarily determine your fate. Your diet and lifestyle choices do. And your diet and lifestyle choices can activate cancer-promoting genes or conversely, deactivate them. My guest today, Chris Wark, received a grim colon cancer diagnosis at the young age of 26. And as most of us know, when it comes to cancer, and especially cancer treatment, much of the decision-making is based around fear. Who wouldn't be afraid if you were basically told you had a 50-50 shot at surviving? Chris, however, took a much different approach. Instead of using fear to drive his decision-making on chemotherapy, he turned to facts and his faith. And as he says today, I just couldn't wrap my head around poisoning myself back to health. Instead of pumping chemo drugs into his body, he pumped in as many anti-cancer, anti-oxidative, anti-inflammatory, antiviral, and alkaline foods as he possibly could and turned his body into a nutritional powerhouse. He built his body up instead of tearing it down. That was 13 years ago. Today, Chris is the best-selling author of the book, Chris Beat Cancer, and has a robust website of the same name, chrisbeatcancer.com. He's also the father of two beautiful girls and a public speaker. In fact, we recorded this episode on a holistic holiday cruise back in late, late February, And looking back, it was probably the last cruise that was allowed before they shut down the industry, and it may have been a near miss for us to take that trip together. But fortunately, we're both healthy and safe with our families. Prepare to be inspired by this man's fortitude, strength, and determination. Boy, was I. A quick disclaimer This interview with Chris was completely unplanned. It was totally spur of the moment when I met Chris on the cruise. Um, I completely jumped at the chance to sit down with him. But as you're going to notice, unfortunately, I had a confluence of technical issues that just hit all at once from the battery on my Zoom recorder uh, going down to the video uh, stopping and starting, so I I deeply apologize about that. But I hope that you'll forgive these missteps for the value of the content. And Chris's story is worth all of these unfortunate production hiccups. Thank you, Chris Wark. I want to welcome you to the Plant Strong Podcast. Thanks, man. We are uh, we are deep into season two, and you are the the perfect person for. The theme of season two which is the heart of a hero when um, I think about what you've done uh, as far as tackling and and beating cancer and all the people that you kind of helped and brought along with you along the way it is uh, it's 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 pretty amazing and thank you so you know we really like to honor people that are changing the game and uh, and you're you're right up there now I would like to say that we just met for the first time on this holistic holiday at sea uh, vegan cruise with 2,000 other, you know, vegans and, and wannabe vegans that are kind plant of... Plant lovers. <laughs> plant learners learn, learning about the lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I would love to hear all about your story. I, I don't, I'm not uh, really acquainted with it, um, except that, you know, you're you're alive and you beat cancer, right? And right. that, and that's, you know, that is a fantastic thing. And, I, and, uh, you know, I, I have so many questions that I want to ask you about this journey that you've been on since, uh, and h- how long ago were you, um, basically diagnosed with, with cancer?
1: So I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer when I was 26, 26, 26 young guy. Like I was in real estate, I was flipping houses. I was playing in a band. I was like really excited about my life I was a newlywed like things were going really well for me and I started having abdominal pain and I put it off for the better part of a year and uh, but eventually the pain progressed it it was started out with just sort of nagging little pains and it progressed and by the sort of that fall the fall of 2003 spoiler alert yeah I didn't die it got so bad that I was like, I got to go to the doctor. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I thought I had an ulcer and it was like, oh, it'll get better. I don't know what that pain is it was like, you know, I'm too busy to deal with this. And, and and so, like, where
0: in your body was the pain located?
1: Abdominal pain, it was sort of on the right side to the right of my belly button. But, like, with, with the colon, for me, um, uh, it didn't feel like a stomach ache. It just it was different. Yeah, And it's hard to explain, but there were some sharp shooting pains that I would get from time to time, and then there was sort of a dull aching that would sometimes wake me up in the middle of the night, and I'd kind of feel the urge to go to the bathroom, and I'd go to the bathroom, and then I would get some relief, and then I'd wake up in the morning feeling fine, but it was bothering me at night.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this. So after the fact, have you learned that this um, colon cancer that you had... um, where it was located in your colon is this where colon cancer typically happens is this the like the uh, a very common spot for it or? um not necessarily i mean you
1: can get it in the ascending colon or the descending colon or the transverse and where was yours mine was ascending and i honestly don't know which which area is the most common but yeah. they're kind of all i feel like they're all kind of equally distributed. But your colon has three sections. It goes up, across, and then down to your rectum. So I uh, went to a gastroenterologist, had a colonoscopy, woke up from the procedure, and they said, uh, you've got a golf ball-sized tumor in your large intestine, in your colon. Golf ball. Yeah, golf ball. And I'm like, what? Like, a tumor? You know, I mean, I'd never had any health problems never been to the hospital really for anything and like now i'm like i got a tumor in my colon so uh like most cancer patients i mean they basically gave me this this spiel everybody gets like look w- you they took a biopsy called me a couple of days later said it is confirmed you have colon cancer yeah. uh it's very aggressive in young adults we got to get this thing out of you before it spreads and kills you
0: well can i stop you for a sec so you're 26. You've got, gotten diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, any colon cancer in your family history? No. Okay. And, uh, I mean, 26 seems extremely young. Fam- to be-
1: there were some family members diagnosed after me. Oh. But colon cancer is, like, the second most common cancer. It's very
0: common. Okay. It's a dietary disease. Yep. No. We'll get to that. Okay. Okay. And then, um, I mean, did you eat a horrendous diet is you think that contributed
1: or well we know the diet diet contributes to colon cancer yeah. i ate the standard american diet western diet tons of fast food junk food processed food tons of meat and dairy okay. those are my staples uh because i was always thin i thought i had a free pass and i ate whatever i wanted and so like yeah man i'm going to burger king getting a double cheeseburger like supersized fries and like a large dr pepper you know what yeah. i mean like i'm like, I can eat whatever I want. Yeehaw! Yeah, uh, Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that was the way I ate. I was, you know, had a. I was going 90 miles an hour in life. I was really excited about what I was, you know, trying to accomplish. But I was eating on the run. And, yeah, a typical breakfast was, like, some microwave Jimmy Dean sausage biscuits or oh, some huh. cereal or something. Oh. And, you know, <laughs> lunch was fast food for sure. And then dinner... M- more fast food or sometimes my wife would make like a sit-down dinner with like your typical like mm. oh chicken and some green beans so you're and... you're
0: married at 26
1: yeah I'd been married for two years okay yep so, yeah. so um, no kids uh, so I agreed to have surgery but you know most cancer patients are rushed into treatment
0: out of fear did, did you decide to get a second opinion or were you just like Wow, okay, I'm getting this taken care of or
1: I, I actually did get a second opinion and
0: he said the same thing as okay. the first guy. Yeah. So I'm I'm just wondering like yeah. what you know now is I mean, do you recommend people like get a second, yes. third opinion? With, yeah, I, all the honestly time? three opinions uh-huh. is a good idea because
1: there are so many people who are misdiagnosed. Yeah. I mean, thousands of people are misdiagnosed with cancer that don't even have cancer. And I mean, you know, there's news stories that are coming out periodically of like woman treated for cancer, you know, accidentally, that kind of thing. So that really does happen. So you don't want to be one of those people. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go through Mm -hmm. chemo for nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, So a second opinion, even a third opinion is a very good idea. uh, Always. It's kind of like, you know, you get two or three bids if you're going to, you know, get your roof put on, Mm -hmm. might as well get two or three opinions (laughs) on your colon, (laughs) right? So, uh. I was saying earlier that, you know, most cancer patients don't have time to think about their life. They don't have time to investigate or learn about their disease or what the causes of their disease. They don't have time to investigate what treatment is going to involve. They're just rushed in out of fear. And fear based decisions are almost always the wrong decision. Mm. Like, we need to make decisions based on facts and faith, not on fear, because when you're in fear, you're completely irrational. And, uh, but that's the way the cancer industry, unfortunately, just rams people into the system. They like s- strap them on the conveyor belt and off they go, and they don't learn until much later, uh, or sometimes they learn right away how brutal the treatments are. Mm-hmm. And then down the road they learn that the treatments don't work for most people. And by work I mean cure. Right. Right. They work in the sense that they might slow a tumor down. Mm-hmm. They might shrink it a little bit. They might even make some tumors or lesions or spots disappear temporarily. But they almost always come back, and they come back more aggressive. So I didn't know any of this. Right. Okay? I, I knew nothing.
0: So you've, you've had you've had the surgery, right? You had the, the golf size. I go uh, in the hospital, yep. They, they cut out a
1: third of my large intestine, which is like a foot and a half. Took out the tumor. When I woke up from surgery, they said, uh, it's worse than we thought the cancer spread to your lymph nodes. We took everything we could see. We think we got it all, but you're going to need 9 to 12 months of chemotherapy. The reason is because circulating tumor cells leave a primary tumor site when it's even before it's stage 1.
0: So, can you for so for our listeners, can you describe the difference between Stage one, two, three, and four.
1: Yep. Stage one is very small, very small tumor or lesion. Stage two means it's uh, usually kind of, in the case of colon cancer, it's broken through the wall of the colon, so it's bigger. It's you know more vascular, more blood flow to it. Stage three means the cancer cells have spread to your lymph nodes, so you might have inflamed lymph nodes. So you officially had stage three. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then stage four means there are cancer cells, a spot, lesion, tumor in another organ. Mm. So it was, I was stage 3C, which means it was on its way to another organ, either my liver or my lungs. Those are typically the places that colon cancer metastasizes to. So it wasn't good news. Mm. Uh, it, H- and, how
0: did you take that news?
1: Oh, man, I was doped up, you know? Mm. So I was just kind of like, okay. I mean, you know, it's like, it's hard. It, it was. I knew it wasn't good, but I was on some pretty good drugs, so that softened the blow a little mm-hmm,
0: bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, did you have a support group that was there with you, like your your wife, your your mom? I, I did.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, my, her parents, my parents, my pastor, my former boss. Like a lot of people came to see me mm-hmm. in the hospital, mm-hmm. which was like so great. Mm-hmm. It was like, I mean, it was great, but also was kind of, you know. I I don't know if it's just me, but like when you're in the hospital, like you're not looking your best, (laughs) you know? You're in like a gown and you're in the hospital bed and you're like, you're in there because you're jacked up, you know, right? Mm -hmm. Something's wrong. And so you kind of don't want people to see you in that state, right? It's kind of humbling. And for me, frankly, cancer, the whole cancer experience was a huge blow to the ego, of course, and humiliating, embarrassing, humbling, like, Because I think as a man, you want to feel powerful and invincible and strong and, like, you know, tough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to have this, like, disease, you know, especially in your colon, you know, it's just like, yeah, I mean, it just, I I felt shame, right? Mm -hmm. I felt, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just felt so weak and vulnerable and insecure.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, there's something about, too, you know cancer that just seems so um absolutely frightening and that maybe people that you know are gonna like turn their backs on you maybe yeah and it's like wow um and um but
1: anyway and you, that you, does happen which we can talk about okay
0: but so and you obviously i mean you had to face this thing like stare it right right in the eyes and yeah and decide what you're gonna do with it right
1: so I'm in the hospital. You, do, you
0: have no idea how like anxious I am to hear this story. <laughs> <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> so, uh,
1: so I'm in the hospital, and the it's a couple of things happened that are just were so strange, and I'm so glad they happened because they started me thinking differently, mm. and also makes for a good story. But the first meal that they brought me after cutting out a third of my
0: large intestine. Was a Sloppy Joe. And just what you want coursing through your recently cut on colon.
1: The Sloppy Joe is the food that no one likes. Restaurants don't serve them. I know you have a Sloppy Joe recipe (laughs) in one of your books. But that's a plant-based Sloppy Joe. So I'm sure it's better. Yes. Yes. Red lentil Sloppy Joe. I'm sure it's good. I would be willing to taste or eat the whole thing probably. I'm sure it's awesome. Yeah. But like, you know, just like the Sloppy Joe... Like that, that, everyone is thinking of the man, witch. Yeah. Right. Uh, and as far as I knew, like that was just something they served at summer camp or, you know, if you're in the military or you're in prison. And so, oh, surprise, they're serving it in hospitals <laughs> to cancer patients. And I guess everybody else was getting one that day, too. Right. Yeah. So uh, so that was weird. For, for me. I'm you know I was like why this is gross like why are they serving this to sick people? Like what is wrong with this the system? Um a c- couple days later my surgeon comes in and we're talking about this is like they told me I could go home and so he was checking on me one more time and I said, "Hey, is there any food I need to avoid?" because in my mind, I'm trying to help myself and I don't want to screw anything up. Mm-hmm. They just cut out a third of my large large intestine, sewed it back together everything you eat is going through that tube. Mhm. And so, uh, you know, I'm thinking, is hot sauce going to melt the stitches? Are Doritos too sharp? Yeah. <laughs> you know, stupid thoughts like that. And uh, so I said, yeah, hey, is there, is there any foods I need to avoid or whatever? And he's, he's like, nah, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. So that was it. Like, that was all the dietary advice I got from my abdominal surgeon.
0: You know? Unfortunately, knowing what we know now, not,
1: not very surprising. Not surprising. Uh, Doctors are not trained in nutrition. And uh, so they eat the same horrible diet as everybody else. And, you know, it'd be a little bit hypocritical for somebody eating a horrible diet to tell someone someone else to eat healthy. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So again, I'm like, man, something's wrong with healthcare. I knew what healthy food was. My mom was into health food growing up. So You know, she wasn't vegetarian or vegan, but she was buying healthy, you know, the peanut butter you have to stir instead of the sugary peanut butter. And she was buying, you know, she would, she would get, let me get like shredded wheat kind of cereal, but she didn't want me to get like Fruit Loops, like the, the obviously junky stuff. Yeah. Um, but my first birthday party was at a McDonald's. So, I mean, I ate a lot of fast food growing up. I, I, I basically ate the standard American diet with a little bit of healthy
0: flourishes, like sprouts Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so for a good 20 plus six years, you basically had those carcinogens coursing through your colon rubbing up against the wall. Yeah. They obviously, you know,
1: and, and young adult colon cancer, there's often a genetic component to it. right? Right. And so, uh, but your genes don't determine your fate, your diet and lifestyle choices do, and your diet and lifestyle choices can activate, cancer promoting genes or they can deactivate them powerful and yeah it's huge I mean this is called epigenetics and there's it's a vast field of research on the way our choices affect our genes Mm -hmm. and uh, so it doesn't um, this is important to to mention by the way I didn't know any of this stuff right didn't learn didn't know anything about cancer in the beginning but up to 90% of cancers are caused by three factors Diet, lifestyle choices, and environment. Those three things are up to 90%. Only about 5% of cancers are genetic. And so, uh, unfortunately, most cancer patients, when they go to the doctor, they say, why did I get cancer? Like, how did this happen to me? Why why Mm -hmm. do you think I, you know? They're trying to get some answers, trying to make some sense of it. And I think everybody kind of already understands we live in a cause-and-effect world. Everyone knows there's a cause. They're trying to figure out what the cause is. And, but doctors often tell the patient, almost always, well, it may be hereditary. Do you have know, family history? I didn't at the time. Well, it could be genetic. Or, you know, it you know, could be, or it might just be bad luck. And what happens when a doctor says that to a patient, which is what they almost always say, mm-hmm. what they're saying underneath that message is there's nothing you did to contribute to your disease therefore there's nothing you can do to help yourself I was talking to a cancer patient the other day and she was telling about telling me about her friend that she was Mm -hmm. trying to encourage to eat healthier and you know get on the healthy train and her friend said to her quote my doctor said there's nothing I can do right like isn't that Painfully tragic. I want to put that on a T-shirt. My doctor said there's nothing I can do. So it turns a cancer patient into a victim.
0: Yeah, victim, and you you're giving that doctor like basically uh, you're turning him into a demigod, right? And hey, man, the doc said nothing. I mean, hey,
1: it's not my fault. Nothing I can do. Yeah, you're so that yeah. This is the the subliminal message. You're a powerless victim, right? Our, your only hope is us, yep. medical treatment. And uh, so just
0: show up for treatment. So so, w- what in the world, so what happened to you? I mean, that you decided to obviously not go down the traditional route. I get home from surgery and I am
1: starting to come off the pain medicine, right? In, in the, the day, week, whatever, few days to a week, and as I sobered up, like, I'm really thinking about my life and my future. And, like, how much time do I have left? Am I going to see my 30th birthday? Like, like, what is my life story going to be? Is this it? Like, Chris, you know, cool guy, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, man, he was smart or funny or talented. Like, yeah, great musician. Whatever whatever people would say about me that I hope they would say. And, like, ah, it's too bad he died of cancer in his 20s. Sucks. Yeah. Just like... Yeah, I can't believe this is, like, my story right now. And so, and I was thinking about chemotherapy, and I'd seen people in the world that were cancer patients, chemo patients. And it's disturbing, right? Not to sound mean, but it's disturbing to see someone in that state, right? Where they've lost all their hair, their skin is yellow, they're emaciated. They may be wearing a mask over their mouth because their immune system's been destroyed, you know? Or sometimes they're really big, like they're really kind of puffed up from all the steroids they've been given and uh, you know it leaves an impression on you when you see someone in that state and I I could see myself in that state and it was scary and my instinctively my intuition whatever you want to call it was basically saying like you don't need to do this I I I knew that physically I was not strong enough to endure chemotherapy Mm. i was like six i'm six two i was approaching 130 pounds because i lost so much weight
0: like i was in the 130s at that point so was part of losing that weight just because over the the whatever what six months to nine months when you weren't feeling well you weren't eating as well that's right okay
1: yeah i wasn't eating as much because i was connecting like eating with pain yeah, yeah yeah and and it's man it's really terrible when you have a digestive disease and eating is it becomes mm-hmm. a source of pain mm-hmm. um so i would lost weight through that process and then you know you have surgery and you're not eating for almost a week in some cases because you can't eat before the surgery and then you're out cold for like a day and then you know there's a few more days and whatever so um so yeah man i was I was just in a really really f- fragile physical state and um and I just felt like it was gonna kill me if I did chemo. I just didn't think I would survive. And so um, and that was with very little knowledge about it. It was just instinct.
0: So what, what gave you the confidence to
1: So, stay off that? I... Chemo train. You know, I'm in this, I'm, I'm thinking about everything and I, I, I just can't wrap my head around this idea that um, you can poison your way back to health. And so I just prayed about it. My wife and I are Christians, and I'm just like, God, I need some help. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, this, it, this doesn't feel right. I don't have peace about it. Uh, and if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me. Mm. Right? That was the prayer. Just please show me if there's another way. And two days later, I got a book. This Your book, prayers
0: were answered.
1: Man, I'm telling you. <laughs> This book shows up on my doorstep, was mailed to me from a man in Alaska, who knew my dad, sends it to me in Tennessee. I start reading it, and it was written by another guy who had uh, healed his colon cancer with a radical diet change. Mm-hmm. And I started reading like, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. This guy has healed his, healed his colon cancer by changing his diet? And so, I mean, I got really excited. In fact, I was sitting on my couch, and, and I got so excited, I actually started to tear up. What was the name of the book? So know? that book's called uh, God's Way to Ultimate Health yeah. by a man named George Malcolmus. And so, uh, I mean, I just knew it was an answer to prayer. Like It was so such a powerful moment, and I was so overcome with emotion, you know, just of like, thank you, God, for this, because this is what I'm looking for. And in that book, he, you know, he basically is making the case that the reason so many of us are sick with chronic disease is because of our diet Mm -hmm. and our lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. And if you radically change your diet, you can empower your body to heal. If you remove the things that are causing the disease, the disease can resolve. And I'm like, this is like the best news I've ever heard, right? Like, really? Is this true? And so, um, man, I just got really excited and, and that book was about the raw food diet, mm-hmm. raw foods and juicing, right? And uh, and there's a, there, you know, there's a chapter in there about chemotherapy and how destructive it is and things like that. And it was like, you know, sort of more, um,
0: confirmation, that confirmation
1: that, that like, oh man, this is, it's, it is worse than I thought. Mm-hmm. And um, that book led me to allow a lot, lot more books, but. In the beginning, that was all I needed. I just needed one person's story. Like, one guy did it, right? If this guy
0: did it, maybe I can do it. We're both human. Yeah. So you let me ask you. So you're thinking about it. You read the book. You're like, all right, I'm not going to go down this this chemo you know, path. But you have, like, what's your wife thinking? What's your mother thinking? Your father? Are they supportive of this decision? I mean, I would imagine that that would have been pretty hard for them. So... My, my mom was supportive because she had a and
1: this is what's crazy and there's, there's all these like little mini miracles all throughout my story but my mom being into health and nutrition had stacks and stacks of books that she had bought at the health food store since the 1970s all the books by Paul Bragg Pavo Areola raw food books alternative cancer therapy books yeah. all these books like it was insane never needed them she just, like, thought they were interesting and just loved to read up on, you know, alternative therapies and yeah. herbs and vitamins and, like, all this stuff. And so she had this library of books that she'd basically been saving for me.
0: So she's mm-hmm. on board.
1: She was on board. She she understood, like, right away. But, you know, when I told my wife, like, as, as I was reading this book and, like, like man, this is, I got to do this. Like, this sounds amazing. I, you know, when I told her, I called her at work, and she was like, uh like, what what are you what are you talking about like it was so foreign to her and she um, was not happy about it at all Yeah, I couldn't understand it. and then other family members started to get involved mm-hmm. and they were saying you you need to do exactly what the doctor says yeah. you know alternative therapies don't work mm-hmm. um, you know don't you think if there was something better they would know about it mm-hmm. this kind of stuff and I'm like I don't know, I mean, I'm in chapter two of this book. Can I get back to you? So I overnight converted to a raw food diet. Like there was no hesitation. There was no easing into it. It was like hundred percent. Like, where can I get a juicer? Yeah. Where's the fastest, you know, what, where can I buy a juicer today? Uh, and I went to Whole Foods, loaded up um, fruits and vegetables, you know, got a big bag of carrots, champion juicer and i just started you know it's like i don't even know what i'm doing but i know i'm what i'm not doing yeah right i'm not eating like any animal foods i'm not eating processed food or fast food anymore and so off i went now there's a bunch of family pressure right to go see the oncologist to do chemo so in order to appease that pressure which is intense extremely intense uh, and hard because when I told everybody and they disagreed with me, it was like It's painful when you feel like mm-hmm. people withdraw their support and So I was trying to get these people on board and appease them and so I was like, okay, you know I'll go I'll go we'll go talk to the oncologist. We'll see you we'll
0: hear him out or whatever So when you say you, you're getting pressure from the oncologist or like what does that look like? We go to the
1: oncologist, oncology clinic. We're sitting in the waiting room, waiting to go back. I'm looking around. Everybody in the room has gray hair. I'm 26, you know what I mean? Everybody there is twice my age or three times my age. And I'm just like, I don't belong here. Yeah. You know, like this is, like, I'm just like, I felt even more insecure, like like even more of a just freak. You know like Oh look uh, All these old people have cancer And like I'm 26 And I've got it So The TV's on And it's one of the morning shows And out comes Jack LaLanne (laughs) Jack's still alive Jack LaLanne He's like pushing 90 at this point Uh, Vegetarian Lifelong vegetarian He comes out He starts going off I mean you know He's like a little fit guy And he talks like this And he's like uh, you know, he's a big fan of juicing, isn't he? He's a big fan of juicing. Yeah. He's like, everybody needs to start juicing, need fruits and vegetables. Like, if man made it, don't eat it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, you know, he's speaking my language, you know? Like, I'm just like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. Like, right now in the cancer clinic, I'm sitting here and my wife's next to me. And like, you know, I'm like, can you believe this is on right now? Like, this is, like, this is crazy, right? And she's like, it's pretty weird. It's a sign. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Then we go back and see the oncologist finally, and he takes forever, man. He's, they're so inefficient. We wait for two hours. Yeah. And he, you know, this is guy is a real, just a stereotypical oncologist. He's extremely busy, like seeing tons of patients every day, like, you know, flipping through my chart. Okay. Who's this next guy? All right. Okay. This is Chris. He's got colon cancer. All right. So here's the deal, Chris. Um, you, you're stage 3C it's very aggressive in young adults um, you, you're, we want to give you 5-FU and Leucovorin which are two, dru- two drugs um, and you've got about a 60% chance of living five years with treatment and I'm like 60% that sounds awfully low almost 50-50 it's almost 50-50 that's the thought and the thought, exact thought I had was Gosh, that's awfully close to a coin toss really mm-hmm. and the, the thing I learned years later was 5FU which uh, is affectionately known as five feet under chemo drugs have these great nicknames five feet under uh, red devil that's a that's a favorite um, 5FU is a 50 year old drug they've been using it for 50 years nothing better has come along it's like they're still giving this drug from the 1950s so i asked him about um the raw food diet you know i was like what about the raw food diet like you know what do you know about that or whatever i'd been on it for a week i was feeling pretty good like lots of energy like i'd kind of gotten over that first hump that you have to get through when you convert to a plant-based diet or raw food diet like the first few days things are just weird you know energy's low and like you're you're trying to break these cravings sugar and animal protein and fat cravings like all this kind of junk food stuff and um caffeine withdrawal but once you get over that hump like you start to feel good so i was feeling good and he was like no you can't do the raw food diet it'll fight the chemo okay uh well uh, you know are there any alternative therapies available or you know and that point like his demeanor it's like it was it was like I flipped the switch on the guy and he was like no if you don't do chemotherapy you're insane and then he just starts just berating me just like like just coming after me with like everything he can think of to talk me into chemo and the fear just started to take over you know when you're in a fear state you you don't think clearly or rationally you become very impulsive and you know your survival instincts Mm -hmm. kick in when you're in a state of fear and so like most of the stuff he was insane to me I don't even remember because I was like the fear and the shock and and I was like my hormones are pumping right adrenaline and cortisol and uh, but one thing he said jumped out like in the middle of the fray and it was like he's like look you know look I'm not saying this because I need your business (laughs) yeah right it's like a car salesman technique. It's called the push-away. And we finally finished the... I mean, I couldn't... I just like was like wanting to run out of there. Finally wrap up the meeting. And like a robot, I just like went straight to the desk to make... And made an appointment to start chemo in a few weeks. Mm. You know, I mean... This is what happens over and over again in cancer mm-hmm. clinics, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like all, oncology, all oncologists, are like, you know, evil and bad and blah. Like I'm not trying to be a, myth, a conspiracy theorist about cancer treatment, but fear is mm-hmm. so palpable oh. in cancer clinics, mm-hmm. and many oncologists use that fear to motivate patients to say yes to treatment. Mm-hmm. And the the scary reality is that uh, in private practice oncology oncologists make up to two thirds of their income from the profit on chemotherapy drugs. So it's the only segment of medicine where the doctors profit on the drugs.
0: And who pays them? Is it the drug companies that pay you, them for that?
1: You pay them and the insurance pays them. Yeah. And you, cancer drugs are, these new drugs that are coming out, they're a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Like It's insane. Mm-hmm cancer patients are going broke bankrupt like life savings getting wiped out and then into debt i mean we've all seen it like they're begging for donations because they're everything's gone just to afford the next treatment or groceries or rent or whatever like it's insane how uh much greed is driving this industry and how much patients are not only suffering physically but like it's financially toxic
0: oh well, so everything you just described you know to me has there's a very parallel path that runs right next to it which is with cardiovascular disease and heart disease and i hear the same thing you know when people go in and the cardiologist says you know what we need to get you on the table tomorrow right i mean you could die tomorrow you've got a 98 percent blockage you know and uh fear like you said fear-based right yeah and then it doesn't get to the root causation of the disease, and you know a lot of times it's worse, and there's complications from surgery, and yeah. Anyway, so please continue. It's the same MO.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so I was I was really well. I'll, I'll say this. I, I you know I went to that appointment feeling really good. Like I was feeling good physically, emotionally, mentally. I was confident, you know, I had a lot of hope that things were, you know, I was gonna get well. And he completely shattered all of that. And I walked out of there just discouraged and hopeless and afraid. And it it was just a terrible day. We walked to my wife's car and sat in her car and just like, held hands and I cried and like I choked out a prayer it was just awful mm. like it was just so such a low point in the journey and but it was necessary like mm. because my wife saw how they treated us and that started to change her right so what's the next chapter what do you what do you, how
0: do you rebound from that and where do you go
1: I was super fortunate because I had weeks you know, like around three weeks before I was supposed to start chemo. I'd made the appointment to get the port, but I just went home and fired up the juicer. <laughs> you know? Fired up the juicer port, baby. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, like, I don't know what else to do. I just, I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. Like, you know, and I didn't know if I was going to do chemo or not do chemo. Like I just knew like, okay, I know what I got to do today. Yeah. I've got to overdose on fruits and vegetables. I've got to overdose on nutrition. That was the goal from day one. It was like, how can I get as much nutrition, anti-cancer foods into my body? And what I figured out...
0: Anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, healing, nutritious foods... Yes. Into
1: Chris's body. Into
0: my body.
1: And what I figured out was I had to create as a, a, something that was sustainable, right? And the easiest way for me to do that was to make all my juice in the morning so i was making 64 ounces of carrot juice and that that evolved into a blend of carrot and celery beet, ginger root uh, 64 ounces of that every morning Um, and i would drink it throughout the day usually through breakfast it would just be juicing for lunch and dinner i made giant huge salads giant salads and it wasn't like a a big bowl of lettuce it was uh, you know some kind of greens like spinach uh, kale or you know uh, uh, yeah. And yeah mixing up the greens and then broccoli cauliflower kale cabbage onions mushrooms peppers uh, apple cider vinegar a little olive oil garlic powder curry powder sauerkraut um, mm. like some kind of sprouted beans like uh, sprouted mung beans or sprouted garbanzo beans and like, I mean, and look, all, some avocado on there. Like, I mean, it was just giant, right? It was like every everything in the produce department. I was putting I was uh, zucchini and uh, 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 cucumber, and like squash. I mean, like, it was huge. Uh, and uh, almonds and walnuts. And I realized this is the most potent, diverse and nutritious meal I can concoct and I just need to eat this this is my meal so for lunch and dinner every single day it was the giant salad are you tired of it at all or you no no not only did I not get tired of it and it was delicious because with the sauerkraut and the apple cider vinegar yeah. and like the curry powder and garlic powder I also had cayenne pepper on there so man it was just like this crazy like delicious like just so many flavors uh, and um, I, I started of crave it and I'm just like, that's all I wanted to eat. And I knew, you know, just even though I didn't have any a nutritional science background and I, I didn't have any good nutritional science studies or books about nutritional science to, to like really reinforce this, I just knew like, this has got to be good for me. Like this has got to be great for me. And I'm just going to keep pumping in the good stuff and let my body use what it needs. So uh, so, I went from eating one to two servings of fruits and vegetables per day, the average American guy, to eating between 15 and 20 servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. Bring it on. Right? Yeah, just every day, man. Every day. And I just thought, you know, I just have to keep up this intensity. Like, good things will happen if I just keep putting this stuff in my body. Like, I'm just going to, like, give it no choice but to heal. Yeah. So... Uh, that's what I'd been doing for a week, right? And then I went to the oncology clinic and that went terribly, but then I just went back to it, right? Okay, I'm back at home. Let's make another big salad. Let's keep, keep making the juice. And uh, a couple weeks went by and then it came to the day when I was supposed to go get the port. And I woke up and I was just like, uh, I'm not going. <laughs> right? I'm not doing it. Not for now. Um, I, I basically had this view, and it was kind of like this. I want to build my body up. Mm. I don't want to tear it down. I want to build it up. That's what I want to do right now. And I'm excited about doing this. I'm. You're not excited about
0: getting I'm, a port and going that yeah, route.
1: Yeah, and it's not excited is an understatement, right? Mm. I'm like, this is going to be suffering and... Mm.
0: Uh, you told me before we, we started this interview, you don't like suffering. Yeah, I have an aversion <laughs> to suffering.
1: I mean, that was in the context of like, you know, hardcore triathlete yep. training yep. and long distance running and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm a sprinter, not a marathon runner. Yep. Like, I just don't like suffering that long. But but this is the same kind of thing. I'm like, you know, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be toxic. And my hair is going to fall out. I'm going to lose weight. It's like, I'm going to be throwing up and diarrhea and like all this like pain and suffering, you know? Yeah. And um, and like, no, I don't want to do that to myself. I'm If I'm going to live or die, I'm going to do it on my terms. Mm. Right? I'm going to live or die on my terms. So all in that time, you know, I also, I found a new team. Because like the conventional oncology wasn't working for me. Like I didn't want to work with that guy. But I found a naturopathic doctor, and I started working with him, and he referred me to an integrative oncologist Mm -hmm. who had come out of retirement. And uh, he was an amazing man who had spent his whole life treating cancer patients conventionally Mm -hmm. and had seen, he was in his 70s, he had seen how ineffective that was. And so he was doing IV vitamin C therapy and other uh, non-toxic therapies, and he was really interested in the immune system and trying to help patients uh, boost their immune function, so that it could fight the cancer like he sort of he was like you know trying to understand immunotherapy back before that was really a word that people were using um and he he supported me he supported my decision not to do chemotherapy like he explained to me that that was the standard stuff but he was uh just an amazing blessing in my life Uh, And so between the naturopathic doctor and this integrative oncologist, like I had a little team, had my mom, my wife started to, to, you know, warm up to the idea and come on board, but it was still early days. So she was pretty nervous that I was making a mistake and just, you know, the most important thing that I did was just create a very simple daily routine eating the same thing every day, giant bowls full of vegetables, giant salads that were delicious, juicing every day, and I was so determined and so committed, like, to get well. Like, I knew the stakes, and it was like, if if I'm not, if I'm going to not do something as drastic as chemo, I better be just to do something equally as drastic on the natural side, you know? And so I was also taking tons of supplements, all kinds of stuff. You know, who knows if any of it even helped, right? Right. But stuff from my naturopath, stuff I'd read about, like all kinds of supplements. And and we do know now that there are some supplements that can be ex- extremely beneficial, like curcumin and vitamin D three and B twelve and resveratrol and berberine. Like, there's a lot of really good stuff, even like mushroom supplements, yep. um, beta glucans. Um, this stuff I talk about in my book and in my course. But, um, I was just doing everything I could find and afford, right? That was it. Like I was and there's a, there's a common thread that a lot of cancer patients have who've survived against the odds. People like me and the common threads are, they have a very strong will to live. They know why they want to live. They have reasons to live. What was yours? I had three reasons. There were three people, my wife my mom, and my dad, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. The three most important people in my life. I couldn't bear the thought of the three of them standing graveside, mm. like, putting me in the ground. Mm. Like, that was too much. Like, I couldn't, mm-hmm. could not bear it. And so I was like, I have to live for these three people. I also, you know, when you're confronted with your own mortality, you think... um, uh, you, you cancer has this way of like sort of cutting this line in your life between everything that matters and everything that doesn't matter. And you realize most of the crap in your life doesn't matter. Yeah. Most of the stuff you cared about, you don't care about anymore. You only care about a couple things. Living, right? Like living and the like the people in your life, like your loved ones and living. Yeah. Like nothing else. Like maybe a little bit
0: of money so you can t- survive.
1: And so Well in
0: in, in retrospect, do you feel like cancer is one of the greatest things that happened to you? Yeah, for sure. It wasn't some people would call it a gift or a blessing, yeah.
1: Which I totally understand. I wouldn't call it that because like a blessing or a gift is something that you want. (laughs) But like I said earlier, like I believe that God works all things for the good of those who love him. So he turned it around. He blessed me through it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm more blessed having gone through it. And my life today is so much better than I could have imagined, right? Had I not gone through that. So, yeah, go ahead. So I'm thinking about, like, I still don't know how much time I have left. And I want to, I want to be a dad. You know, I'm like, I don't know how much time I have left, but I want to be a dad now. I didn't really want to be a dad. Like, I wanted to be that eventually. But... Now I want to be a dad, now. And so I talked to my wife, and they'll say, you know, what do you think about starting a family? And she, I mean, did one of the most courageous things of anybody I know. She said yes. Hmm. Like She said yes to start a family, Mm -hmm. not knowing if I was going to be alive around to help her raise Mm -hmm. this potential child that we were maybe gonna have. Mm-hmm. And so we started trying um, to get pregnant and she got pregnant right away. Mm. And then a year later, I was back in the hospital. and um, this time I was
0: holding a beautiful <laughs> baby girl. <laughs> I didn't know where you're going with that. I didn't know if you're in the hospital for something relapse, but no, awesome holding a
1: little baby girl, man. 13 months after my diagnosis, my first daughter,
0: Marin was born. And like, now I have four reasons to live. If you're like me, you might be someone who has wondered, are carrots good for my dog? The good news is, according to Dr. Ernie Ward, the Chief Veterinary Medical Officer for Wild Earth Dog Food, yes, carrots are definitely good for dogs, in moderation, of course. Just like for humans, this orange root vegetable is a healthy, low-fat treat that is chock-full of essential nutrients like vitamin A, fiber, and potassium. Carrots also contain beneficial nutrients like vitamin C, vitamin K, vitamin B8, folate iron, copper, and magnesium. So feel good when you share one of your leftover carrot dogs with your pup. You can also feel good Feeding your dogs Wild Earth dog food like I do, Jade. Save 40% off your first order using the code PLANSTRONG. Visit wildearth.com or Amazon today.
1: Cancer patients have to want to live. They have to have a reason to live. And they have to be willing to do whatever it takes to get well. Now, unfortunately, many uh, cancer patients think that doing whatever it takes means suffering through the most brutal Mm. treatments allowable by law, right? But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about doing whatever it takes is actually being willing to change your life, being willing to stop your bad habits, being willing to confront yourself, the person that you are, Mm. and uh, admit your mistakes face your fears, face your failures, and let go of everything you're holding
0: on to. That sounds like for some people that that's a lot. That's hard work. That's hard. Yeah,
1: there's something that I say, often that uh, people don't like. And that is chemo is easy.
0: Hmm. (laughs) Do you understand what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, right. Absolutely. You, you, it's yeah, not you, physically easy. No, you don't. You don't have to look in the mirror. No, right? You it's, just got to sit in the chair and you know, and 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 take it. You just show
1: up and endure it. It's not physically easy, mm-hmm. but mentally, you know, emotionally, maybe even spiritually, uh, it requires no change of you. I was talking to a cancer patient, and she was trying to help a friend and trying to occur- encourage a friend to to eat healthy, right? To eat healthier, and a plant based diet could really help you, you know, and Her friend said, my doctor told me there's nothing I can do. And it's, she was, you know, completely indoctrinated, no pun intended, into this victim's mentality, right? I am powerless. There's nothing I can do. My doctor has given me permission not to change, right? My doctor's told me everything I'm doing is fine. This is not my fault. Yeah. And if you have cancer, I think you need to assume the position that the way you're living is killing you. Right? I'm not trying to beat anybody up. am not trying to make anyone feel bad about themselves. But just assume the way you're living is killing you. This is good news. Because if the way you're living is killing you, then you can change the way you're living. Yeah. Right? If what you're eating is causing disease, then if you change the way you're eating you can promote health instead of promoting disease. And like when I had those light bulb moments, I, it got me excited. I couldn't wait to adopt a raw food diet and start juicing. I couldn't wait to see what would happen. You know, I had so much enthusiasm and excitement and positivity and that drove me to, uh, to continue, right, to like stay the course. And th- you know, that tenacity and determination that I had, I see in a lot of cancer patients, right? I've interviewed a lot of them on Chris Beat Cancer on the the podcast and YouTube and the blog. I've interviewed a ton of people who have healed against the odds, holistically. Some of them healed without treatment. Some of them have healed when treatment failed. And some of them healed with a little bit of treatment, you know, but mostly it was a holistic approach. Mm. And they're what we call radical remission survivors, uh, so, um, to, to sort of put the end, the bookend on my story with, with cancer is I assembled this team to help me and I created a simple daily routine that was as healthy as I could figure out, right. That I could do every single day, overdose on nutrition, exercise, give my worries and fear to fears to God and repeat right? Day in, day out. And there's a momentum that you develop, right? When you're doing the same things every day, it's like training, right? When you're training for triathlons or lifting weights, the consistency creates momentum and the momentum produces results, right? Compounds your results. So you get stronger and faster and more fit and your endurance goes up. And all these things. If you keep going to the gym, or you keep getting on the bike, the same thing with nutrition. You keep putting the good stuff in. Like things start changing in your body. Things start happening. You start. Uh, you increase detoxification. You increase increase oxygenation of your tissues. You increase the just nutrient uh, uh, content of your blood uh, and tissues, and you enable your body to start repairing and regenerating and detoxifying. Uh, in a way that it never has before because uh, it has more raw materials
0: yeah and i would imagine this way of of eating is also very alkaline which is probably very nice as well
1: sure it, it is it it is alkaline um and uh yeah junk food meat and dairy is yeah. acid-forming foods and so um they're not helpful there's a number of reasons why those foods promote cancer growth but i can hit on a few for your audience not that your audience needs much convincing they're not, but well, most of them probably aren't eating this stuff anyway. But uh, um, meat and dairy raise IGF-1. Yeah. IGF-1 is a hormone that fuels cancer growth. Uh, that's the number one reason not to eat meat and dairy. But also, uh, red meat has heme iron. Heme iron fuels cancer growth. Cholesterol fuels cancer growth. Um, dairy has hormones in it, uh, 60 different hormones, yeah. that are designed to grow a baby calf to be a giant cow. And those hormones fuel cancer growth. so
0: And then when you cook meat, yes. you create HCAs, heterocyclic amines, yes. that are also carcinogens. Yes, and polycyclic, and polycyclic, aromatic, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. hydrocarbons. That's right. Which, I mean, that is crazy when I learned that basically you can be around a grill and just these polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons will get on your skin. And go through your skin. I mean, it's—I didn't even know that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I just read this amazing article on it. It is—it's almost like secondhand smoke, but it's like secondhand barbecue, like stuff that lands on your skin and goes into the skin. It is awful.
1: That's terrible. You know, I used to work at a barbecue <laughs> joint when I was in high school. Wow. I was in the—I was like a bus, bus boy, like dishwasher, but in the back. Um, it was so, there was so much smoke in the smokers and stuff. Yeah. Like you would be covered with this grease that was in the smoke that was just back in the kitchen. And like, you would even break out. Like it would make, you know, yeah. make you break out. Cause it's just like grease is like getting into your pores and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that probably didn't help either. So those are the, those are really the big, the big reasons why meat contributes to cancer. Um, and we know that world, world health organization processed meat. Bacon, hot dogs, ham, sausage, deli meats, jerky, salami, pepperoni. Uh, Those are processed meats, and they're group one carcinogens. They're at the same level of evidence as cigarettes and asbestos and formaldehyde. Uh, The evidence is clear that they contribute to cancer, specifically colon cancer. Mm. Red meat, which they fed me the day after my surgery— Slop, right. sloppy
0: joes. Slop, <laughs> sloppy joes.
1: Is a, that's right. Is a group two carcinogen, which means it's a probable human carcinogen. There's a sufficient amount of evidence, not as high as group one, but a pretty good amount for them to say it's a probable cause. So um, there's, there's so much evidence pointing to meat and dairy being cancer promoters and in some case cancer causers. Uh, that it is really pr- pretty crazy that there any oncologist is letting cancer patients continue to eat those foods but you know they're not edu- not educated but here's what's real crazy so they did a study on breast cancer patients and they found that breast cancer patients who ate five or more servings a day of fruits and vegetables and walked an average of 30 minutes a day had a decreased risk of recurrence after nine years. So they cut their risk in half after nine years from five servings of fruits and vegetables a day and walking 30 minutes a day. Like that is this. How simple is that? Yeah. It couldn't be more simple. And it's like, why is that not pasted on the, on the wall of every oncology office? Right. Mm -hmm. Like make a poster put it on the wall like tell every patient like you got to do this we know that breast cancer patients who eat the most soy yeah. have better survival even though soy has been demonized yeah soy is wonderful for breast health and endometrial yeah. health yeah um i mean there's there's so much evidence so many studies there's no way i could even come close to covering it all in this interview but i do cover a ton of it in my book right um the nutritional science that supports what i did and i'm really thankful to to guys like dr michael greger and dr clapper and dr neil barnard for you know uh, dr john mcdougall like all these amazing guys who are plant-based physicians your father uh for bringing the nutritional science to the public right out p- shining a light on it bringing it out in the open so that the average person can use it to empower themselves and you don't have to be a doctor to to understand that fruits and vegetables can help prevent disease yeah like that this is not does not require a medical degree mm-hmm. you don't have to be a doctor to read a nutritional science study and there's lots of them out there and most of the studies are are uh you know Maybe a little bit hard to read, but there's a lot of articles about the studies that are easy to read. <laughs> you know that's what I do on my side. Take studies that are complicated and try to make them simple so people understand the gist of it but um we know that ten servings a day is really ideal for disease prevention it, it's it's uh, it's really like nine between nine and thirteen servings a day. This is sort of the new consensus If you want to prevent disease, you need nine to thirteen servings of fruits and vegetables mm. every day. Mm. Right? I was doing 15 to 20. okay So I was you know I was above that, above and beyond it. It used to be five servings a day. That's what they thought was good. but now we know, oh more is better yeah. right? Even the five for the breast cancer patients was helpful. but more is better. And guess what? if you're eating 10, 11, 12, 13 servings of fruits and vegetables per day, there's no more room. So what about for, for meat and dairy? Yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> and you, you're, you say, you're saying fruits and vegetables a lot. What, what about um, intact whole grains? What about beans, yeah. legumes? I mean, where, where do those come into play?
1: I use fruits and vegetables as sort of a catch-all term, but okay. I really do mean all plant food. Okay. So uh, whole grains are wonderful. Uh, beans are exceptionally great uh, if, uh, anti-cancer foods yeah. because of the phytic acid. Yeah. The phytic acid in beans is an anti-cancer compound. The paleo community has said uh, it's bad. Phytates are bad. Uh, inositol hexaphosphate which is ip6 phytic acid is bad uh, but the reality is it's not it's amazing yeah. and you want it in your body um, whole grains also have uh, some phytates and phytic acid and, and other things generally speaking whole grains are a little bit lower on the totem pole in terms of anti-cancer potency right uh the most potent anti-cancer vegetables are the ones I happen to be eating every day in the, in the giant salad. Yeah. Broccoli, cauliflower, kale, cabbage, the yeah. cruciferous family, and then the allium family are really the top of the pyramid uh, in terms of— those, uh, Is that
0: like onions and garlic yes. and stuff like that?
1: Garlic and yeah. onions, and, garlic, onions, and leeks. Yeah. They're, um, they did a study where they dripped uh, vegetable extracts mm. on eight different tumor cell lines to see, like, well, let's see what will happen, right? Juiced garlic, they juiced leeks, carrots, you know, celery, all kinds of stuff, uh, broccoli. What they found was the number one killer, cancer cell killer, was garlic. Onions and leeks were right there, number two and three. And then rounding out the top 10 was a bunch of cruciferous Mm. cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, kale. Um, So, like, these are foods you want to eat if you care about cancer prevention or you're trying to heal it.
0: Bring it on. Yeah, like, and, and you I, want to eat a
1: lot of them, like, yeah. not just like, I'll have a little broccoli with my chicken. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, that's not going to help. Well, what I love is
0: if, you know, if you make the commitment and you're eating a really exclusively whole food, plant strong diet, I mean, you're going to be getting probably 15 to 20 servings of all these things every day, right? Yes. I mean, I mean
1: you, if you eat three meals, <laughs> yeah. each meal is going to be three or four servings yeah. in order to fill you up. Yeah. And so, bam, like, yeah. Three servings is nine. Four servings is twelve. Yep, right there. Yep. If you're juicing, so and a lot of people ask like, "What's the deal with juicing?" And uh, juicing is medicinal food, right? You're juicing in between meals. If if you're a cancer patient, you're really trying to mm-hmm. get more nutrition in your body. Juicing is a way to add to the volume of nutrition, right? Without adding bulk, because it's really hard to eat more than three yeah. giant meals a day. Yeah. Uh, and most people don't have time. Like you and I talked. Earlier about yeah. like, you know how hard it was when you're training or trying to grow muscle or whatever like yeah. to eat six meals a day, yeah. like it's really hard, um, and so for cancer patients that's why juicing can be a, a really valuable thing, yeah. is to really get more anti-cancer nutrition in there. Let
0: me let me uh, I, I want to backtrack for a sec. Yeah, you had your 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 daughter after 13 months I I think it was a, after, um, you know starting this, uh, this lifestyle, uh, your fourth reason to live uh, and w- what happened? Like you're you five years, you're obviously, you're like going strong, you're alive. Are you, are you seeing this oncologist at all? Or are you like wave goodbye to him and everything that he has to do with?
1: Yeah. So what happened? I never went back to the oncologist that was a jerk. I, I just stayed with the yeah, integrative the team. new team I had blood work drawn every month. I had uh, CT scans about every six months for the first few years. And uh, we just kept a very close eye on things. And uh, and again, I just, I stayed the course. I just kept doing the same thing every day. Eat tons of fruits and vegetables, overdosing on nutrition, juicing, raw foods, giant salads, and, I, and some other random stuff. Like I said, tons of supplementation, IV vitamin C, and some other things. And um, I just kind of went back to work, right? I got my healing stuff in place, and I went back to work. But there's something back I back
0: to work meaning what? Like real estate? Yeah, I was in real
1: estate, and so I just kind of picked up where I left off. I started playing music again and uh, writing songs and playing shows with the band, and was doing a little bit of touring with with Arma Secreta, which is my band at the time, and um, and was working and just like living my life. And but there's something I we have to touch on, um, which is a big part of the process for me. In, in healing. It wasn't just the food, because, you know, I said earlier,
0: you said three things, three things, food, environment, and then also oh, lifestyle,
1: lifestyle. So the diet's obvious, right? Junk food, diet, tons of meat and dairy. That's a problem. Uh, lifestyle is going to be like not exercising, drinking and smoking, right? That's a problem. We know those things cause disease environment. We know that environmental toxins can promote cancer growth and create cancer, especially so like if you're working in a chemical factory, right? If you're around noxious fumes, smoke, firefighters, right? Smoke, dirt, um, uh, soot, uh, any type of chemical fumes, even the hairdressers have elevated rates of cancer with all the dyes and straighteners and hair products that are around. So um, it's important to look at your environment and make sure you're not exposing yourself to toxic chemicals that can be hurting you. So, but underneath that is a fourth factor that is hard to measure, hard to quantify, but it's a common thread with every cancer patient I've ever met and talked to, and that is stress. Stress is really an underlying root cause of almost all disease, many chronic diseases, because when you're stressed, if you have guilt, you're carrying guilt and shame or bitterness or resentment, Towards others, or if you're just living your life in a way where you're just constantly in the negative, you're critical, you're judgmental, like you're you're a fault finder, looking for flaws. Like what what happens is you're in a state of uh, chronic stress. All negative emotions produce stress, and when you're stressed, you're gonna uh, you're gonna be you're gonna gravitate towards medication as a coping mechanism for stress.
0: Whatever that medication is, and
1: that medication is food. That Medication is cigarettes. It's alcohol. It's sex. Uh, it is uh, being a workaholic, shopaholic. But the the big obvious ones: overeating, right? Cigarettes, alcohol, drug use. Well, those cause cancer, mm. right? So the the practices, the choices that we've made that lead to chronic diseases like cancer, diabetes, and heart disease, were. In many cases, coping mechanisms for the stress that we didn't deal with, and so what I did in this process, because I was as I was reading and researching and learning from other survivors and natural health experts, this thing, this forgiveness keeps coming up, you know. And I realized, okay, like if if I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get well, I'm gonna forgive every person who's ever hurt me, every person. I'm gonna go back as far as I can in my memory banks.
0: Who's ever hurt you, or that you've hurt them. Well, or. it
1: starts with forgiving everyone who's hurt you. Yeah. But forgiveness happens in several different ways. So oh. I'm so I'm glad you said that. I've seen a lot of cancer patients and talk to, I mean, more than I can ever count. And um, I've seen them do every therapy under the sun and do everything right. And But the ones who do everything right, but they don't forgive, often don't get well. I mean, it can be the one barrier to healing that if it's not addressed will prevent you from getting well so i cannot overemphasize how powerful forgiveness is and you mentioned earlier like what about forgiving yourself so forgiveness happens in three ways right you forgive people who've hurt you right you have to forgive yourself for your mistakes yeah. and you may you got to get right with god too i mean you know if you're carrying guilt uh like for me like i had to get right with god and ask for forgiveness and the beautiful message of you know Jesus and Christianity is that God loves us and He wants to forgive us. Like He's He's our Father. Like He He loves us like unconditionally. And so it only takes uh you know, repentance, which is just turning around and saying, like, I'm sorry, forgive me, you know. That's it. And then he's like, I Yes, like I love you. Like Hmm. just like your dad would, you know, if you screwed up, or my dad (laughs) would. Like that's how our Heavenly Father loves us. So um so anyway, that you know and making amends. So that's the fourth, you know, factor of forgiveness is there may be people in your life that you have a nagging feeling that you need to make amends with, and you need to say, you know what? I'm I'm sorry, I was wrong right you know, when I did this, when I said that, and please forgive me. And that can be so freeing. I mean, just all of those things like lifts such a huge weight off of you, right? forgiving people, asking for forgiveness to people you've hurt, to to God, forgiving yourself. Like it just it's it lifts a huge weight. Mm. And so we, you know, that's what I talk about this in in a lot more detail in my book and my course and just it's something that we I'm really passionate about helping people do. Um because I've just seen the results and they're they're incredible. Um
0: I am um you know in hearing everything that you just talked about, what I'm also realizing is that um, this is work. I mean you gotta you gotta you gotta you know pull up your bootstraps and you gotta get to work on uh, on on getting getting yourself right right on on a multitude of levels yes and uh, and if you're willing to do do that that hard, difficult work. It sounds like, you know, given the kind of alternative options that are out there, uh, you can have some pretty phenomenal success. You can, and that's the
1: thing. I don't want to paint this as uh, as a quick fix, magic bullet, you know, quackery cancer cure,
0: you know. (laughs) doesn't sound like it to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's no quick fix, right? And anybody, there's lots of people out there peddling this kind of stuff. And the reality is, like, of every person I know who's healed against the odds, they did all the things I'm talking about, right? It, they weren't the miracle cure person. They were the person that changed their whole life, mm-hmm. radically changed everything. It was a, a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual yeah change everything changes this sounds like a journey yeah it's a, you know the cancer journey is a common mm. common way people look at it because you can't fix it overnight it takes a lot of time energy and effort to really change who you are and break your bad habits and like i said earlier face your fears and your failures and decide to be a different person right to live your life in a different way and so um i um uh, I just try to encourage people to do that. And, and I want to say something, too, about just in case anybody gets an idea that, you know, or misunderstands what I do. I don't tell people not to do chemo. I didn't do it. Okay. But I don't tell people not to do treatment. I don't give medical advice. But what we do is we, first and foremost, try to educate patients and caregivers and anybody that's inter- interested in prevention on the medical industry. So they're have very clear and sober understanding Mm -hmm. on how it works. Mm -hmm. And so that they can ask the right questions and make the smartest, the smartest decision for them as to treatment, whatever that is. I mean, the same applies in heart disease, right? Like, is it smart to get surgery or is it smart to, to get a stent or, you know, what are the risks, right? Mm -hmm. Same with cancer. There's a lot of risks right? The stakes are high, especially when you're talking about surgery and chemo and radiation. These these are destructive therapies. They can cause a lot of harm. They can kill you. And so uh, a lot of your listeners have seen loved ones suffer and die through chemo. And I'm, I hear over and over and over that people tell me, chemo killed my mm. fill-in-the-blank, mm. right? My mom, my aunt, my sister, my dad, my brother, my kid. So uh, it's very important that you are fully aware of the risks and benefits of chemo before you say yes to it. And then if you say yes to it, we have tons of people in our community that are uh, going the all natural route. And we have tons of people that are going the conventional route. And so if you say yes to conventional treatment, if you have confidence in it uh, and, and confidence in your doctor, that's great. There's so much more you can do to help yourself. Healing happens at home. And so that's where the diet comes in. That's where your lifestyle choices come in, exercise. That's where stress reduction and forgiveness and detoxification mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. in. So you have so much power to affect your future and to increase your odds of survival, decrease your odds of recurrence. Um, and why not? right? Why not take advantage of all this wonderful science and all these results and testimonials and all this great yeah. stuff that we have out there to help yourself
0: I like that healing happens at home that's what a great place to heal as opposed to healing happens at a hospital Oh, rarely Rare, rarely exactly <laughs> so speaking of home tell me like what's going on at your home front these days uh are your two daughters plant strong is yeah. your wife on board we all, fully? we, we yeah. do
1: all eat a plant based diet for sure high high plant based diet like 98 99% yep. None of us identify as vegans, but I'm I'm kind of in the blue zone school of like plant-based all the way and little to no animal food. Um, And my, yeah, my kids are thriving. They're doing great. Uh, 15 and 11, two girls. And um, I guess I didn't finish the story in the sense that I wait, you know, I got to the five-year mark and I had another scan, no cancer. And that's when I started thinking about, you know, maybe I should share my story Mm. like i've been through this crazy thing this life transformation thing and i've learned so much and I, i i know there's people out there that i can encourage that are looking that are lost that are hopeless that just need a little encouragement a little direction so i started a blog called chris beat cancer in 2010 and uh it was just i mean i'd never written anything in my life you know the last thing i'd written was like a some stupid paper for college that i didn't want to write you know what i mean (laughs) and i'd never made videos before but you know i started writing what i'd learned telling my story speaking wherever i could and making videos and then i started interviewing other people who had healed and sharing their stories because there's some amazing i mean ruth heidrich who you know from forks over knives right i've interviewed ruth and that's incredible breast cancer healing story and she's a marathon runner and yeah. just an incredible person Didn't
0: she, wasn't she diagnosed with uh with stage four breast cancer
1: i don't know if it's stage four i don't remember I've, i okay. wanted to say it was stage two but yeah um but yeah i mean so I, I started finding all these other people with remarkable healing stories and i'm like man this is way bigger than me way bigger and i need to gather these stories together because there's power in numbers and if the world sees like not just the world but if your average cancer patient stumbles across my site and sees testimonial after testimonial story after story of people healing and then watches these interviews they'll see the common threads right they'll they'll get it you know and it'll encourage them and inspire them and and empower them and so so the site pretty quickly turned into that you know it 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 turned into more of that than just me you know uh, writing a bunch of articles about myself and um and that led to a book deal in 2018. So, you know, about eight years after I started the website, my book was published. You know, it took me not as about half as many years to write it. Uh, Hay House published it last year. It was a national bestseller and fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, it's really been an incredible journey. It's been awesome just to, um, just to see how, like I said, God worked this thing for my good. Mm-hmm. It took time and a lot of energy and a lot of effort, but. Um, now here we are on this cruise with 2000 based people, you know, and like, uh, it was amazing. We had over a hundred people from our community come on the cruise this year and wow. it's my first time to be on it. And, uh, I mean, what a fun time we've well, had.
0: And, and what, what hope you are giving so many of these people that, um, you know, are having a brush with cancer. Um, and you know, just the hope, the strength, the fortitude, uh, that you're giving them. And the fact that, you know, there's a letting them know there's another option besides the traditional route that really, you know, eh, may may not be the best. I mean, wow.
1: There are, there are many options, uh, and there's a lot of science behind them. There's a lot of evidence. There's anecdotal patient centered evidence. There's a lot of, you know, there aren't double blind placebo controlled trials on nutrition versus chemo. Like yeah. we wish there were maybe one day, but there's a lot of tons of science on the anti-cancer compounds in food, yep. in fruits and vegetables. They're in there. We mm-hmm. know they're in there. Mm-hmm. So get them in your body. Yeah, This is not complicated and get them in your body in high volume every day. That's the deal. Right. And then again, work on yourself and forgive and do all these other things too, to, yep. to, um, So,
0: so, um, if people want more information, uh, what's the best place for them to go?
1: Best place is chrisbeatcancer.com. I'm on Facebook and uh, Instagram and barely on Twitter. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, my website's got tons of resources, tons of encouragement, interviews with doctors and experts and survivors and, um, lots of articles. And, you know, again, it's been going 10 years, so there's a lot of content in there. And uh, I do have a, a book, and it's on Amazon and in a lot of major bookstores called Crisp Beat Cancer. Okay. So that's an easy place to start, too. If you want to understand the cancer industry, understand what you can do to help yourself heal and okay. sort of step through that process, that's what the book's for. And mm-hmm. then I have a course called Square One, which goes
0: a little deeper than the book. Wow. And yeah. if anybody out there, Wants to meet Chris in person. I would like to cordially invite you to come to Plantstock uh, 2020 in Black Mountain, North Carolina. It's right near Asheville, where uh, Chris has. It sounds like your schedule's open, and you'll be able to be there. And boy, what a um, what a fantastic addition you're going to make to an amazing lineup of of, of doctors. And inspirational people, and wow!
1: Invitation accepted. <laughs> uh, it sounds awesome, and it's six months away. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm you know pretty sure I'll be there, barring any unforeseen circumstances.
0: Right, the calendar's open. Yeah, love it. Well, Chris, this has been a rather uh, exciting and enlightening two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half hours to get forty five minutes oh of my tape. Gosh, um, <laughs> but you truly have the heart of a hero. Thank you. You are like changing people's lives, making them better, giving them, giving them hope. Um, and I just want to say how honored I am to meet you on this cruise. And I look forward to continued, um, just run-ins together and, uh, and both doing great work in this, in this kind of vital time, uh, in, you know, in, uh, <laughs> in 2020 where we got so much riding on
1: this. Hey, uh, the, the tidal wave's growing, yep. right? Nutrition, plant-based nutrition is about to smash uh, smash some new records in the medical community, in, in the public space. Like, yep. I'm excited about it and like, yep. awesome to meet you. I'm so glad we got to connect. Thanks for taking the time to let me share my story with your audience, it really means a lot.
0: Yep. Hey. Peace. Engine two, keep it plant strong. <laughs> boom, boom. How can you pump as many anti cancer foods into your body and become a nutritional powerhouse? How can you start to heal? Hopefully, this interview with Chris showed you that there are many options besides the traditional route when it comes to improving your own health. You definitely don't need a grim diagnosis to change your diet or your lifestyle habits. But you may need encouragement and guidance, and we are here to help. Reach out to us anytime and visit the resources at plantstrongpodcast.com to turn your body into a healing machine. One of the best features of our Plant Strong Meal Planner is the ability to search recipes that allow you to use random ingredients from your pantry or your fridge. Our five-minute chana masala is a super popular recipe using canned beans, diced tomatoes, frozen brown rice, and spices. It's an easy solution to the what's-for-dinner dilemma that everybody has. Members can search our database of hundreds of whole food, plant-based, oil-free recipes and find delicious ways to use up what you have on hand while staying plant strong. And if you need help making ingredient substitutions, guess what? Our meal planner coaches are on hand seven days a week. Save 20 bucks off the annual plan and use the code HealthNow. That's one word HealthNow. And visit plantstrong.com and click on the meal planner today. Thank you for listening and subscribing to our show. I want you to know that we read each and every one of your reviews and we appreciate each and every one. If you want to learn more about this season or today's guests and sponsors, please visit planstrongpodcast.com. The Plan Strong Podcast team includes Lori Cordewich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, Wade Clark, and Carrie Barrett. I want to thank my parents. Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn, Jr., and Anne Kryle Esselstyn for creating a legacy that will be carried on for generations and being willing to go against the current and trudge upstream to the causation. We are all better for it.